Episode 21, Stepping Back to Step Forward. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hi, elite educators. This is Gretchen from Always a Lesson. And whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, this podcast is for you. And I am here today to empower you to reach your potential. You have been listening for a while now and know that I call you elite because only an elite educator would take time to invest in themselves by listening to a podcast like this to help hone their craft. Today, I want to help you reignite that passion and potential by talking about stepping back to step forward. And I'll address how this principle applies to each teacher phase that's featured on the Empowering Educators podcast. That's new teachers, teachers in distress or transition, and teacher leaders. So hang on, this will be one empowering ride. So recently, I have been very sick, and I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. I actually feel like I was deathly ill. I happen to be working from home and only squeezed in three productive hours. I know that's pitiful, but I ended up crawling into bed, doing everything I could to keep my eyes open. I think I had some sort of cold that just rocked my socks. I had a migraine, and then staring at a computer screen wasn't helping. Then I had the left eye watering from whatever was happening in my sinuses and was dripping down my throat. So now I'm coughing and achy, and every time I coughed, my migraine got worse. I was a mess. I obviously lost the fight to productivity. I didn't want to attach my name to a crappy product. Sorry for using that word. So I just told myself, I have to stop. Like, I cannot continue this day. I can only imagine what I look like, but how I feel right now is not good. And anything that I'm working on, I know is not my best. I'm just doing it to push through. And so I need to look at myself honestly and say, I think it's time to just stop. And that was really hard for me. But the next day when I woke up, I was totally reborn. I was back on track. I don't know how I went to hell and heaven in just 24 hours, but it was pretty amazing. And I used to think, you know, push through. That's how you show your work ethic and your character. You know, at least I'm there. At least I showed up to work today. But because I was slow moving, I was just present, you know, and I remember this happening to me in the classroom. I would wake up feeling really gross and, and had the option. Do I create subplans? Do I use my emergency pl- subplans I have already created? Or do I just show up? And it was just always easier to show up. But I don't know now looking back if that was the best decision for my kids because I know I wasn't 100% engaged in them. I know I wasn't energetic. I know I probably wasn't as attentive as I should be. So although I was more talented than, let's say, a substitute teacher just for knowledge of curriculum, 
I think that their energy level and their excitement to be with kids probably would serve my students better. And so I wish I could go back and, and remake some of those decisions. And being sick this last week has really shown me that, hey, it is okay to just take yourself out of the game. It'll help everyone else, and you'll be better in the long term. So now I realize that giving up or stopping, you know, is not really that weakness. It's actually beneficial. Think about it. When you're running in a race, you can stop. It just makes sure that you're able to regain your breath, get some water, and that helps you get to the finish line rather than just pushing through and you're not working on all cylinders and you're running slowly and you're really thirsty and you're achy and you don't give your body a second to recoup. It also reminds me of just playing laser tack. I mean, your gun at some point runs out of battery or out of juice, as I call it, and you have to run over and get some extra energy and pump it up. And I think that's what it's like in the educational realm. Sometimes we are just so worn down, we need to just step back a moment and rejuvenate or just recalibrate or reflect so that we can move forward in a productive and successful way. And that is what really led me to this principle or the subject of the podcast. You know, you got to listen to that body. It's the difference between just being a teacher this year to having a career as an educator. So let's see what this principle looks like for the phase that you are in currently as an educator. So new teachers, let's start with you. I want to tell you something that people have probably been telling you for some time now, and you're being stubborn like I was, and you're thinking that you're different and unique, and it's you're just going to push through it. But long hours at the office, or in our case, in the classroom, do not equate to effectiveness. It's quality over quantity. So just because you show up at 7 a.m. and you stay, stay till 6 p.m., doesn't mean that you are a more effective teacher. Although your principal will look at that and see the effort that you're putting into things, it doesn't always translate to an effective lesson or a quality instruction. So if you find yourself staying late, you know what's going to happen. You are going to get burnt out. So take a moment and just step back, go home, shove stuff in a bag, or just leave it at school, but you need to disconnect so that your body can rejuvenate. And that means watching TV on a subject that's not educational related. For me, it was reality TV. It was an escape. It was mindless. And I enjoyed it. I was laughing. Um, I was able to just kind of leave work at work and focus on something to just allow my body to rest and allow my mind to stop trying to problem solve. And that was really great for me and helped me fall asleep so that I could get excellent rest that evening. One thing that I also want to add to that point is it is about having productive time. I had a lot of new teachers surrounding me my first couple years who did that. They came early and they stayed late, but I can't say that they were really working efficiently. I know one gal was super disorganized, and so she would come in at 5 a.m. every morning And it was literally to get her room organized, to find her papers, to get in line at the copier. It looked so stressful to me to wait to the morning of to kind of get everything together. But that was her system and worked well for her. But it was kind of sending a message that new teachers need to show up at 5 a.m. and that it takes this kind of prep. 
And as I gained years of experience, I never had to come in at 5 a.m. It wasn't that she was working better than me or I was working better than her, but she was just cranking out the hours at the school building, and I was wondering how that was translating. And it ended up being an inefficient process. And thankfully, a mentor told her, you know, there are better systems to help you so you don't have to come here at 5 a.m. That doesn't mean that that's your strength as a teacher. And then after school, she would obviously stay till 6 p.m. because she would spend the first 30 minutes walking around catching up with her friends. Now, the beneficial part of that is that that is her decompression time. That is her time to rejuvenate. She's connecting, laughing, personal relationships really make the workplace. So that was her way to decompress. So whether you decide to go for a walk around the track at the school or you just grab your stuff and you go home, for me, that's what I did. I went home and had chips and salsa and watched something on TV. I can't even remember what it was at the time. But it was just a solid 30 minutes of just me time, and and that was it for her. But what happened after that 30 minutes ended up slowing her down as well because friends would still come in. She would decide she wanted to go and, and chat some more. And I think that's where it gets tricky because you want to allow yourself time to relax and step back, but you don't want it to turn into a lengthy event because then you're actually hindering yourself instead of helping. So I think, thankfully to her mentor, she was able to fix her morning routine and just tweak a few things at her end routine. So maybe she was working more like 6.30 to 4.30 instead of 5 to 6. And that, that was great for her. New teachers, I also want to let you know that when a lesson bombs, and it's going to happen, even as an experienced teacher, I have lessons that I looked at and said, well, <laughs> that didn't go as planned. Usually around science experiments and technology is where it generally happened for me. But that's okay. Like, I don't want you to feel defeated or frustrated or like, I'm just going to push through and do the next lesson. Because what's so great about a bomb lesson is there is this opportunity, and not many people take themselves up on it. It's a moment to re-watch the tape, to go back, reflect, reflect, reflect. The worst thing to do is just keep moving and say, oh, that sucked. I'm just going to teach tomorrow, and hopefully it'll get better. Because you have really no direction. You don't know what needs to be tweaked, even though you might be teaching a different subject or a different standard. You still could learn something from what you didn't do well before. Maybe it was your directions. Maybe it was your transitions. Maybe it was your mini lesson was too lengthy, too wordy, what have you. So it's really important that when the lesson bomb happens, that you pause, you step back, you reflect. That's how sports teams get better, is after their game days, they come in and have film sessions And they just rip it apart, even if they won that game, because there's always something to get better. And I'm not saying let's spend all this time taking apart your entire lesson, but if it didn't go very well, I want you to sit and think. And if you didn't film it, fine. Walk through on paper your lesson plan and jot notes of what didn't go well. Generally, what I would do before I left that day, if I had a bomb lesson, is I quickly wrote some notes on a Post-it so I wouldn't forget what had happened that day. 
And then I'd put it away. I'd let myself calm down, like not get emotional about it, wait until after dinner. And that allowed me a fresh perspective because what I thought was a bomb, I was like, oh, you know what, actually, it, w- it wasn't as great as it could have been. But, you know, now that t- some time has passed, it really wasn't as bad as I thought or I'm not as hard on myself. So allowing that gap of time to pass. But before that next day, before you start teaching again, you do need to look at what didn't go well so that you can do an excellent job the next day. New teachers, let yourself be led. That means you should be taking risks, but also applying feedback from others who have come before you. There is always ton to learn, and I want you to be able to contribute to conversations, but I also want you to feel okay with stepping back and saying, I want to see how an expert does it, or I want to see how you've handled this before, and be okay with being on the sideline for a moment so you can see something modeled for you and then jump in and do it. In my district, we have a uh, new teacher of the year award. And although I love that and it's super encouraging, I do worry that new teachers feel they have to be perfect every day and that they have to go in showing they already know so much instead of going in and saying, I'll give it a shot, but what I really like right now is to see you do it. And then you can do it with your own spin on it. Even if you feel capable, sometimes it's okay to just step back and let an expert show their way or a couple experts, and then you can kind of infuse everything you've learned. And lastly, new teachers, celebrate your tiny milestones. I always talk about the red plate. You can buy it anywhere. It says, you are special today. My family uses it for everything, and it really helped with my confidence growing up and feeling like I had a team behind me, and that everything I was accomplishing, even though I had older brothers who had much bigger accomplishments, that mine were still important. And that's the same thing for new teachers. Although you might not be winning Teacher of the Year, or you might not get your master's, or you might not get your national board certification yet, those are someone else's accomplishments because they're further down the line, but you still have some really great accomplishments in the classroom. I always high-fived myself at the end of the day, celebrating one thing that I felt I did better today than the day before. And generally, your first few years is going to be a lot about behavior management, and that's okay. So take time to reflect, make some changes, but then also make sure you're celebrating all the milestones that are coming along the way. Make sure you step back so you can step forward. All right, teachers in distress, I'm coming to you. So as you know, there are going to be times where you are sick as a dog like I am, and you have to make that all-important decision if you decide to show up to work that day or call in sick. And I want you to know that it is okay to take a break. Some people feel like to be on the principal's good side or to win that Teacher of the Year award or to remain grade-level chair or whatever you're trying to achieve that you have to show up every single day. And that is great. That is the goal. But there are times where you are sick and you need to listen to your body and say, you know what, I am better right now at home resting, as long as you're truly going to rest, and showing up tomorrow doing a bang-up job for my kids. So thinking about you're probably in distress because you're pushing through too often when you're not feeling well. And I know a lot of teachers in distress that get sick way too much. And it's because they never recoup before the next thing happens. So they push through when they get sick in the fall. They push through when they get sick in the winter. They push through when they get sick in the spring. Before the end of the year, it's just like every week they're sick with something else. It's because they never stepped back 
allow their body to rest and recover, and then full steam ahead the next day. Think about longevity. If you're seeing a pattern of sickness, you want to take yourself out of the game. How about if you're just overworked? That is kind of its own sickness. You're just run ragged. You're lacking energy. This is where you need to think about quality. I said this to the new teachers. Is it you're pumping a lot of hours in the classroom? That's quantity, but if you're not making sure that they are productive hours, well, that's not quality. Same thing with you. If you feel like you are doing your best every day, then you are hitting the quality marker. But if you're not being as creative and your energy is lacking, then you need to go home. You need to rejuvenate with friends, with family, do something unrelated to education, and just really unplug. That's stepping back so that you won't feel like you're drowning. And you may say, but I have all these deadlines. I can't just not do them. Prioritize. Hone in for survival. Go back and listen to that episode so you can figure out how to take a laundry list of tasks and be able to get through them without wanting to kill yourself in the process. We need teachers who are not only qualified, but who can last the whole school year. And so if you're getting sick or you're overworked, you need to take a break. And when I say break, I mean you are at home, in bed, doing nothing. I don't want you out getting errands done because you haven't been able to do those. I don't want you cleaning the house because you haven't been able to do that. At some point, you just need to completely say, I cannot do anything today or I'm just going to be worse. Or how about teachers in distress, those student misbehaviors? When they're happening, step back, check your emotions, and then respond with just the classroom rules and consequences instead of an emotional reaction. Or when you get a parent critique or a personal attack, if it's through email, just let that email sit for a minute. That's stepping back. And then respond with the facts instead of emotions. If it's on the phone, then just pause for a moment. Say, I would love to respond to what you're saying. Please give me a moment. And just compose yourself. And remind yourself that you were hired because you are capable. You have the skills to educate children. So you don't need to go to bat for yourself about the fact that you are the teacher. Just respond with the facts of whatever the situation was. Hear out the parent. A lot of the time they just want to know that you're hearing what they're saying. So you can restate some of the facts that they've shared. And then follow through. Check back in a few days and say, thank you so much for calling me the other day. I know that we had a miscommunication or I know there was an altercation that happened at school. I'm so glad that you wanted to chat about that. And now that a few days have passed, I wanted to reconnect and see if there's an improvement or if there's anything else I can do to help you, whatever. I think that really shows that you're taking the high road. But it did allow you to step back for a moment and just think about the facts. And then you even let a few days go after that first discussion to then follow back up and make sure that you're doing the best you can. So sometimes just falling back really makes a difference. And lastly, teachers in distress, if that supervisor comes to you with a confrontation or a negative critique, remember that they're there to cultivate the best talent for the kids. So when they see something not up to par or that's aligned with their vision, then by law, they have to say it to you. And it might not have been said in a way that boosted your confidence, but 
But in that harshness, there is a nugget of truth. So before you go out and talk to friends and family, I cannot believe they said that, just pause and reflect. Find the truth. Then start brainstorming how to problem solve. The best thing to do, own up to whatever mistake or lack of judgment that you had, get a game plan together, and move forward. The principal is in your corner. They want to succeed. They want a great teacher in their classroom. They want their students to succeed. Although it sounds like in the moment that they're attacking you, they're actually saying, I see something that's not really aligned to what we're doing here in this school. And then you say, I can see how you think that. Here's my game plan for filling that gap so I can raise my game and you will be extremely proud of the progress I and my students are making. Again, that's taking the high road because you had a second to step back and realize, you know what, the principal's not saying that I'm not a good person. They're just saying what they saw today wasn't the best. It's just like when you look at a student and they're making a poor choice. It's not, I hate you, Johnny. It's, Johnny, when you're hitting Sally, you're not following the classroom rules. So that's exactly what the principal is saying to you. I'm seeing something that needs improvement. So just step back so that you can step forward and hit a home run. For my teachers that are in transition, coming to you next. So if you're losing your job or have already lost your job, take time to deal with these feelings, please. It's a breakup. You need time to process. You need time to cry it out. You need time to be frustrated. The worst thing you can do is move on to the next chapter of your life and carry all those negative feelings. It's going to wear on your face. It's going to be in your emotions. And everyone around you is going to see it for what it is. And you want to just cut ties with that pain. So deal with it first. Then, like I've been saying to the new teachers and teachers in distress, reflect, reflect, reflect. What do you want to do? What are you good at? What is your current interest? What makes you happy? These questions will really help guide you to your next endeavor. And that's what's scary sometimes is when you're moving on from one chapter is you're really not sure what's going to happen. But just take time to pour into yourself so that the next step you take, you can flourish. If you rush this process, the results won't be as ready. I mean, do you want your platter of blessings to be raw and rushed, half cooked, half cooked maybe? No, you want it cooked to perfection, and that takes time. Or how about teachers in transition? If you're just staying in education, but you're changing your lane, and this is kind of talking to myself here because I was in the classroom, but now I'm out in the district helping lots of new teachers, so I am considering myself in this category. It's scary to rise to this new challenge. It's one that is it's uncharted territory. You haven't been on this level before. But if you're embarking on a journey to gain new skills and tools for your tool belt, then trust the process. Take a moment to assess everything you've learned from your current job title. What do you still need to learn? Make sure that you are very clear on where you're lacking so that you go into this next chapter with a clear goal in mind of what you're trying to get out of it. And then this will help dictate where your career is going to take you and what next steps you need to take to continue the growth trajectory that best matches your passion and your talent. So we need to step back so we can step forward. Teacher leaders, 
I left you for last because my heart goes out to you and all that you do at the school and probably don't get paid for it. So first, don't say yes to everything. If it aligns with the school's mission, but it also aligns with your future, then say yes. For example, if the administration comes to you and says, I need help organizing the school carnival to build relationships with the community, you'll say, when you're stepping back, okay, yes, this aligns with our goal as a school to build better partnerships in the community. Check. But does me organizing an event align with what I want to do in the future? So for me, I like to lead people. So this might be a good experience to learn how to work with multiple people to put on an event. But if I really wanted to write curriculum at the district level, then this event isn't really aligning with my personal goal. And so I know that this job is going to take me away from other things. So if it's aligned and it's benefiting me, then that makes sense. I'm pouring back into myself and to my future. But if it doesn't align to what I'm wanting to do or the path I want to take, then I have to say, you know what? I need to pass on this opportunity so that when the right one comes, I have time and I'm ready to take it on. Or teacher leaders, how about empowering a team? That means it's totally different work. You're, you can't just go in and do it for them. You have to step back. You need to take time to understand how people on your team might do something, might complete a task, let's say. Then you have to coax them along to do it productively and accurately. So in order to really properly invest in your team, it doesn't mean running around like a chicken with your head cut off, doing everything for everyone, because you're never empowering the people that you're leading. That's not leadership. That's just doing everything for everyone. And so you need to say, okay, Jenny on my team, she is really great at X, Y, and Z. But right now, I need to teach her how to do this so that she can do the next thing. For an example from my teaching career, I had a teacher I'd been teaching decades, and I was the team leader. So I went to her, knowing that her strength was experience. But I knew that she was trying to do way too much stuff over the top, that it ended up being overwhelming for her, and she was sick all the time, and she wasn't showing up to work on time. She was really overwhelmed and negative. And I had to sit down and say, I love that you're part of this team because you have tons of experience. But I want to let you know that it is okay to not have your room decorated to the nines for every lesson that you're teaching. The students appreciate it and is well worth your time. But I don't think every lesson and every day needs to look like this because look at yourself. You are struggling to be 100%. I would rather have an engaging teacher working on 100% energy and enthusiasm than a tired teacher with a beautiful classroom. And she was just really perplexed. But that's what I mean about leadership. I could have gone in and said to her, let me help you. Let me help put up all of these decorations for you. But that doesn't help her learn that that is actually not time well spent. I had to learn what her strength and what her weakness was and then empower her, give her some ideas, some solutions, and coax her along. I also had another teammate who was struggling in her personal life and could not keep it together at work. 
So I knew her strength was kids. She loved making a difference for students that really needed an adult in their life. And so I used that to have a conference with her and say, okay, what do we want to accomplish today? How are we going to be able to do this? Okay, and that might mean that our cell phone has to stay in our car throughout the day because if it's in our bag during a break, we're going to check it, and then our emotions are going to get involved, and when those students come back in from recess or lunch, we're not going to be 100%. So again, being a leader doesn't mean going in there and telling her, get it together or go take a break to the restroom. I've got it. I'll help teach this section of your lesson. No, it's about having her step up to the plate, giving her ideas and coaxing her along. So empower the people instead of doing everything for them. Also in the classroom, teacher leaders, you want to give students the opportunity to stretch in responsibility, to gain skills and confidence. So that means you first have to step back and start delegating. And it doesn't mean you're doing it so you have less on your plate. It means that you are giving purposeful tasks so students can learn. So, for example, I may say, okay, I'm going to empower my students today. Johnny, go take attendance. And it's like, yeah, now I have free time. I can walk around the room. I can stand in the hall and greet students. Like, there's one less thing I have to do. It's so great. But you're actually not leading your students. That's just a task that they are completing for you. They're not gaining much from that opportunity. Remember when I was talking about saying yes when your administrator asks you to do an extra task if it's aligned with what you need on your mission. And that's not on a student's mission to learn how to check people off on a sheet. But let's say you asked a student to lead a book study and then you handed him some questions and you walked through the process of what you're looking for. Now that is empowering. Yes, it's one thing that you're not having to do, but it's not unrelated task to their mission to learn. They're now learning leadership skills, leading a small group of people, listening skills. This is much more aligned to skills that they need to develop as a student rather than walking around marking attendance. So teacher leaders, when you're saying yes to something, when you're empowering your team or your students, make sure everything is truly aligned to make that person or yourself better. All right, so I think we've went through each category of teachers we have here in the Empowering Educators podcast. Hopefully now new teachers, teachers in distress, and teachers in transition know what it means to really step back so you can step forward and achieve all the wonderful goals you have set for yourself. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on stepping back to step forward. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is sponsored by the Educators Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details. Hi, Elite Educators. If you like what you hear, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. And while you're there, leave a rating and review. 
Also, stay connected with Always a Lesson through social media. Like us on Facebook at Always a Lesson and follow me personally on Twitter at G Schultek. That's G-S-C-H-U-L-T-E-K. I look forward to connecting with you. Calling Elite Educators! Are you in need of feeling empowered by someone who is just like you, who does just what you do, and, well, just gets it? Then hop on over to alwaysalesson.com to learn more on the blog for tips and tricks of remaining passionate about your current work. Also, check out our social media links for more personal connection to other elite educators just like you. And if you're a newbie educator, grab a copy of my book, Elementary Education 101, What They Didn't Teach You in College, to ensure you beat the learning curve and end your first year ahead of the game. Alwaysalesson.com provides something for everyone. So elite educators, stop by today and get empowered.